And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, by this time next week, we will be in the, I guess we won't actually be in the playoffs, but the playoffs will be just about to be starting, which is not grammatically, I didn't say that right, but you know what I'm saying. How you doing? <laughs> You're just starting us off right, aren't you? Yep. Well, also, I didn't start us off right. I didn't ask for questions. I should probably put the call out for some questions, eh? Yeah, you should You should do that right now. Uh, I'm while I do it right now while you continue to eloquently... Oh set boy. up the top of the show well so what we're going to talk about today we got a lot actually to talk about um we're going to talk about the road trip the leafs just went on uh it finished in washington on sunday night uh we'll talk about the standings home ice potentially in the first round the leafs are, are looking pretty good for that and and looking very likely to play tampa uh, i want to talk about jake muzzin and the situation there we need to talk about austin matthews who obviously missed a few games came back on the weekend didn't score, but had like a million chances to score. Uh, so we'll talk about our impressions of him. We'll talk about your guy, Andre Kasha, uh, was nice. named the Leafs nominee for the Masterton Trophy. Uh, so we can talk about his situation, his season. Um, and that's that's what I got. And then we'll talk uh, some pod bag questions. Have you sent out the, the bat signal? I, I, I did, yeah. We'll see how many we get while we're recording. It'll be interesting to... Uh Interesting to see how hardcore our uh, our listenership is. So now's your chance. If you ask a question, well, I guess it's not going to work because people are going to hear this after the questions have been asked. Yes. Yeah, it's not live, James. <laughs> it's not live. We do have the capability now to do shows live, and we're going to do one of those later this week, and we're going to do some during the playoffs as well. So on the live shows, it's almost like a call-in radio show that you can connect and talk to us and ask questions. So... We're looking forward to unleashing that capability on uh, you fine folks here in the next little while. I like it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be spicy. You love when I say spicy. Um, so the road trip, the Leafs uh, have that game in Tampa, which did not go well. Uh, I don't know that there's that much to really dissect from that game. Uh, they play well in Florida, but fall. Um, and then they come back and beat Washington uh, in a shootout. Not like the most interesting trip, I, I don't think. I don't know how much like there actually is to take away from it. I think one thing that is important that Josh, our, our pal at The Athletic, wrote about after the game on Saturday is Jack Campbell has come back and looked like the Jack Campbell from earlier this season. Like That is a massive development. Uh, his numbers like don't look as good as you think that they probably should, but he's 6-0-1 in the seven games he started, and I just think he's looked good again like he he doesn't he's not giving up those goals yeah that he was giving up during that stretch of like two and a half months well whatever. nhl nhl average save percentage this season is about 907 908 
And you know what Jack Campbell's say percentage is in April? 908. Yeah, it's... Yeah, so, I, And I think... The thing, too, is that the Leafs have 111 points, franchise record, they're third in the NHL, and they've done all that with the goaltending kind of being a little bit all over the place for long stretches of the season. So, you know, I think we have to be, this podcast, we love to get into like every angle. And I think that sometimes we spend a lot of time talking about you know, uh, what could they change and like what, what D combinations should they have and what forward combinations they, they should have. And we're sitting here with two games left in the season and they're going to finish with either somewhere between 111 and 115 points yep. um, with Peter Mrazek turning into a, a pumpkin. Well, and, and, and Eric Shalgren hasn't exactly been. Yeah. Carry, and carry well, price, you know, Shalgren's just super inexperienced and yeah, he is what he is. Right. Um, what I was going to say is, you know, it's a good time to reflect on the season as a whole and not just the last three games and say, you know, for as much as it's tempting in Toronto to say the regular season doesn't mean anything, they did what they set out to do and what they could accomplish in the regular season, really. Like, they they won on a crap ton of games. Mm-hmm. Franchise records, like you said. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's actually a good point. Like you step back and like they've they've had a great regular season. It's especially considering some of the things that you mentioned, like some of the obstacles that they've kind of had to get over. They've had injuries on D, they've obviously had injuries in goal, their goaltending wasn't good. They've had a um, ton of guys with career years. Like if you go down the list, like think about all the players that that yeah. had better seasons than last year and you know, it, it really was you look at last season and I would say that they had a really good regular season in the in the the Canadian division and, and everything, obviously the playoffs was a disaster, but it felt like if they could just replicate that, then that was going to be a win that regular season. Um, but it, you know, in a lot of ways it feels, feels like they took a step forward. Like you think about the season that think about the season that, that Matthews and Marner and uh, Kerfoot and Engvall, Mikheyev, Wilgrant, uh, Lilgren, yeah, Bunting. I was I was thinking about guys that were on the team last year that that took a step forward. I mean, it's it's a pretty long list, and it's a pretty short list of of players that had a weaker season than last last year. Yeah, and I mean, you could look on D. Timothy Lilgren's taken a big step, obviously. Rasmus Sandin before he got hurt. Uh, T.J. Brody's been excellent. Morgan Riley. I think this is probably his best year in the league. It's not statistically like that seventy two point eighteen nineteen season is technically better. He might come close to that but i think he's been better jack campbell like it's not gone great obviously since december but it's still i mean i don't know how you want to look at it in terms of like career year given last season how short it was um but obviously this is his first year full year as a a starter in the nhl so yeah like you're right like there's not many guys who actually didn't have you wouldn't look at their year and say like they performed really well or, or they performed expectation. Most guys did. And the only guys who really didn't are, are kind of like their, their older players for the most part, like Spezza, mm. Simmons, Muzzin. Muzzin. Justin well, Hall's had ups and downs. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is maybe Hall. But So, you know, I mean, we, we're we going to have another podcast after the end of the regular season, but it's really going to be a playoff preview, right? Like that, we're probably going to do that what do we think? Like, I mean, I wonder once we know who their opponent's going to be, right? Like that's, that's probably the best thing to do. So, you know, this podcast can be, we should talk about what happened in, in the last three games, but we should also, I think it's a a fitting space just to talk a little bit about what their season means and take a pause and. Oh dude, I'm perfectly okay. Not talking about those games totally fine <laughs> those games are just like even like they've got a game tuesday against detroit is like uh. well so i was gonna go on the trip i was gonna go to tampa and florida uh and i i hurt my back really bad about a month ago and the idea of i it's hard enough for me to fly on a plane in the best of times just because of my height and everything but the idea of doing it with with really bad lower back pain was not very appealing. So, you know, Joshua Cloak went down and, and did a nice job covering the trip. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a really interesting trip to be on when I eventually, when I originally planned on going, because it's like, well, their, their opponent's probably going to be Florida or Tampa. And, 
you know, it's going to be right towards the end of the year and these games are going to mean a lot. And it's like, well, not really. Like it didn't, these games didn't really mean that much, to be honest. Well, they barely practice because they're trying to kind of conserve some energy. Um, let me, now, hey, ju- let me jump it, in on that, Jonas. Like, do you sure. think it was interesting that, that, um, how frequently have they sat a significant player and said it was because of load management? Cause they did that with Tavares, uh, in the yeah. Washington game, which is, well, is that the first time they've done that? No, no. So it's funny. Like I was gonna, I was writing my Monday thing over the weekend and that was going to be like the last item. Will they do this? And then it was like, then they announced that they're going to sit Tavares. They have done this before. Like they did it with Marner in the last game of last Muzzin, year. Maybe they did what it did, with Muzzin. No, they did what, it with, they did it with Zaitsev and Hainsey two years before that. And obviously the, but did they call it season. load management though? That's, that's, I mean, maybe it doesn't Whatever. matter because it's, it's semantics. Marner was rest. Like I just thought it was, it was interesting rest. that the reasoning given was explicitly load management which like most nhl teams have kind of tried to avoid in the past well i think they should they should use the the final two games and maybe do it with a couple other guys like if rasmus sandin can play friday maybe you sit riley or maybe you sit brody um if if you want to give marner a break i don't know maybe you sit him and play abruzzi instead the problem is like the injuries are kind of at a point now where they don't have like a ton of flexibility. Um, but I think it's smart. Like, I think if you can give those guys a break, um, given all the hockey they played of late and given the minutes and the age, like Tavares is, Tavares is, is coming up on a thousand games. Like he's, he's, he feels still kind of youngish. Like he doesn't feel like an older player, but he's like, he's 31. Like he's not, you know what I mean? Well, he was in the league as a kid too, right? Like he was, yeah, I, I remember like writing about time. him. I remember writing about him his very first season and he just, he looked like a, he looked like just like a 16 year old kid out there. Okay. Well, since you want some perspective and I think it's a good point, I think it's, it's fair along the way to, to look at the roster and figure out what's working, what's not. Like, I don't think we did anything that we shouldn't be doing. We should be doing that, but you're right. It is a good opportunity to take a, a step back. And I think the most significant um, development of this year is Matthews and Marner and the steps that they've taken like they they were obviously unbelievable players last year they're they're better this year like obviously matthews you look at his 82 game pace james it's 66 goals and 119 points and marner since like he came back from protocol in the middle of january has been basically not basically he's been the leading scorer in the league and if you look james like since november 1st Matthews and Marner are one, two in the NHL in points per game. Like they've, they've just been unbelievable. It's not just offensively, obviously it's defensively. If they can get that, those guys playing like that in the playoffs, you would think they'll, their chances of pushing past the first round would be pretty good. It, yeah. And that, that's really, I mean, there's such a big part of the team that's, that line is such a huge reason why they're an offensive machine. And so they just can't afford another year where, you know, and there's been talk in previous postseasons about, you know, the 2% shooting percentage uh, against Columbus and all that kind of stuff. Now it's it's just it's just time to deliver, right? It's time to push through whatever gets thrown in front of them. And, and you know, if you're two of the best players in the world, then, you know, it's, and, and, and the, the stupid divisional playoff format, which I have, I dislike and I have railed against for, for a long, long time, it's it's working against the Leafs here. But you know, it, it adds another a layer of drama here that they're going to get a really, really good team as of today. If you look at on the Athletic, it says the it is a ninety five percent chance. Oh, sorry, ninety five percent chance that the Leafs finish second in the in the Atlantic, and an eighty nine percent chance they play the Lightning, and the remaining eleven percent is they face Boston. Well, so. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, we had those. We we knew coming into the year they were going to get a tough matchup in the first round of the playoffs unless they won the division. Florida's had just a monster season and prevented them from doing that. So, you know, Marner and Matthews have to deliver. The whole team has to deliver against a very very good opponent to get out of the first round. So, James, I was going to say just based on your point about the divisional stuff, if they were, if this was like a normal. One versus one to eight. eight, they would be playing Boston. Potentially, they could move up and pass Carolina, in which case they would face either Pittsburgh or Washington. One thing I noticed, James, looking at the standings, that I've I don't think I've ever seen Florida has a plus one hundred goal differential. I I 
They have the most goals per game. I heard this stat the other day. They have the most goals per game of any team in the cap era. So going back to 2005, which is 17 years. And I know scoring's up a little bit, but that's that's very impressive, especially, you know, Ekblad's missed time and that 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 team is is and I, I think that I you know that one of the great things is that if the Leafs can get out of the first round, they're very, very likely to get the Panthers in round two. And I think that that series will be a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, and they could beat Florida conceivably. Um, so just going back to the season in perspective, um, obviously their power play has been excellent. That was a big focal point coming into the year. Their, their penalty kill has been pretty good. Not as good lately. Um, and then, like you mentioned, some of those career years, like Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Engvall, Kasha before he got hurt. David Kampf has been what they needed him to be. Michael Bunting might win Rookie of the Year. Uh, Sandine, Lilligren. Are you going to vote for Michael Bunting for Rookie of the Year? I don't think so. I think he'll be in the my top three. Um, I'm going to go cider. What about you? Always, always enjoyed drinking a nice cider. Um, yes. I... <laughs> I uh, I need to look at it a little bit closer, and yeah, me too. I, I don't know about punishing a guy for being older. Like, I don't know if that's it. The doesn't way. make it. It doesn't say anywhere in the award that like it, it only yeah. says you can't be this age, and he's not that age. So I'm just yeah. going to take age out of it and just say who's been the who's, best rookie. Who's been the best? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I wonder. Um, I wonder if Lilgren will get some votes, like down like fifth place votes or whatever. I don't think so. He might. What about all rookie team? No, I don't think so. There's a lot of good people, man. I mean, would you would you give Lilligren your vote ahead of Sandine? I wouldn't. Mm. Well, it's just, yeah, Sandine's not like top of mind because of he just hasn't played hardly at all in the second half here. Yeah, like Lilligren's. Uh, I mean, look at some of these. Like, there's a lot of good candidates. Like Tanner Janot has been. But but really hey hey, uh, I just I don't think Sandine's a rookie because he's played he played. Two oh many yeah, games. he is a rookie. Right, right right right. He's not a rookie. Right. Yeah, that that's yeah. No, but there are uh, other good. There's rookie too many defensemen. candidates. Yeah, there's too many. Anyway, um, any other impressions from the seasons? Otherwise, I want to move on and get to some more topical stuff, James. Impressions from the season. Hmm. I mean, you know what? You know, one thing you and I were discussing, I think Sheldon Keefe's done a really good job so far this year. Now, yeah, there's not really now, a lot of buzz around him. Like, I, I mean, maybe he'll, he'll probably finish top five in the Jack Adams voting, but not come anywhere close to winning. Would be, who's going to win? Does Brennan uh, win? I don't know. Maybe. Does Rod Brennan win? Does Jared bet? Like, I, you know, you know who will win? Daryl Sutter. Yeah, I could definitely see. And he's done a really nice job. He's I mean, done a great job, yeah. You know, Gallant, maybe? Yeah, maybe. That award is always usually the team who, like, surprises people. So it'll probably, I mean, especially with the situation in Florida being what it was. I want to talk bunting. I want to talk muzzin. Which would you like to discuss first? Bunting. Okay. So we don't really know what exactly it was that, that knocked it's him knee, from that game. It? Don't you think? Maybe. I mean, there it's like a ACL string yeah, or something. It certainly didn't. I think it's like one of those ones that he will be able to come back and play through, but he will be playing through something. Is my understanding? I just know anytime Sheldon Keith says a guy is going to miss time, that's like weeks. That's not days. Um, so then you start to wonder: Is he going to be available to start the playoffs? And then what are the implications on the roster? I mean, they, the Leafs do a really nice job of not telling us a whole lot about injuries, but my... They, they, this has been more of like a closer to playoff thing where they've been... I guess they've been pretty vague throughout the year, to be fair, but they've at least said what the injury is, and now they don't say it all. It's funny, you know, like when the Leafs get hurt, sometimes I get other teams that they, they message me and they're like, oh, what's the injury? And it's like, well, like... So you can see why the Leafs don't want to tell the media, even like behind the scenes, because it's like other teams are like trying to use the media to find out what's going on. It's I silly. Thought, I'm sorry. It's silly. But anyway. It's silly they don't tell us? Yeah. Like there's this idea that it's teams are going to hunt those guys' injuries in the playoffs. Like, come on. In, uh, like in football, they say what the injury is. Football is like the most physical sport there is. Although hockey's well, pretty close, obviously. And basketball, they say what the injuries are. Like, I don't know. Anyway, it th we don't need to go into that. Well, I wonder um, if like all this like proliferation of betting, if that's going to be something that 
Yeah, know, good come. point. Um, but so what do you think they should do with bunting out? Because obviously he was a really important part of that line. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple of games, Nealander has, has basically played there the entire time. I like that. Like I, I, I kind of, I still don't love the idea of Nealander not being in their top six. And like, I know they've, they've worked him into other lines all the time. And sometimes he's played with Matthews and Marner anyway, but I'm, I'm kind of fine with if they want to put Nealander, Matthews and Marner together to start the playoffs. If, if bunting is going to be out, which seems likely. I just wonder if that makes that line such a target for being yep. shut down by other teams. But isn't it that anyway? If, if it if it gives them well, at least if 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 you target that line and the Nealanders on a different line, then that should open up some lanes for him to produce offense. You know that that would be my counter to that. And also, if you have Nealander on that line, are you do you have the right elements there? Like you don't have like a digger, a, a kind of a the battler kind of player that that Bunting or, or in previous years Hyman was. I just don't know if they have that guy, James. Like, who is that guy to play that role? Like, you could yep. say Mikheyev, but like, I kind of like Mikheyev with Tavares. Like, the, is Nick Ritchie available? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, I'm being dumb. The point is, like, who is that guy? If it's not Nealander, who should play there? Like, do you want to play Colin Blackwell on the, on the number one line in the playoffs? Like, mm, not, I I don't love that idea. I could see them doing it, but I don't love it. So if it's not Blackwell and it's not Nealander, is there anyone out? Like, I guess you could try McKayev there. Yeah. It's too bad Kasha's... I know we're going to talk about Kasha a little bit later, but it's too bad that he's uh, not available because I'd like to see him in that spot. Yeah, I, I honestly, I just don't see a lot of options. And I, I do think one of the underrated kind of subplots of the last couple months, or actually the last month, not the couple months, is it seems like they basically decided not to play Nealander and Tavares together. Like, that's that seems to... Now it's it's conceivable at some point in the playoffs they'll end up back there out of necessity. Well, they, but this they has been a month now. Well. They, they played pretty well with them split up, right? Like I, yeah, yeah. You and I were saying like eventually they're probably just gonna have to go back to that because it doesn't make sense to do anything else. But the yeah. teams looked good and won a lot of games with them split up. Yeah, which is hard hard to argue with. I just don't know. I I. I in spite of that, I just don't know. I get it. Like they were really not good for like two and a half months. Like they were getting scored on constantly. They were getting pinned in their own zone. Neilander didn't look good. Tavares didn't look good. He puts them out for the overtime against Florida, and they <laughs> and then they give up a goal. Like it's like it's it's something. And and I think what they might be confronting here is like if you put Neilander up there, like are there any other lines you're actually going to reasonably be able to count on for offense? Like even Mikheyev, Kerfoot, Tavares, like is that line actually going to score a few goals for you? I don't, maybe, I don't, I don't know. I'm just looking at some of the statistics for, for April for the past month. Guess which league wide, which two players are leading the league in, in scoring points and points per game in April. I mean, Marner is going to be one. It's, it's relevant to the, to our conversation. It is is, is Neander up there? Neander must be up there. Is not a leaf. Oh, for so not a leaf for April. It is Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos are. Yeah, I mean that that eight goal game against the Leafs probably <laughs> help help the cause, but uh, Marner's at one point four points per game. I think the power play kind of being a bit sagging a little bit has probably brought down the Leafs players' numbers. Yeah, although helped them generally overall this year. Do you remember which game they split Tavares and Nylander from I do. one another? It was uh, March 27th, I believe, which was a Sunday. Oh, okay. I know I because back. like, I spent so much time looking at those that stuff, those two. Yeah, we know you don't have any life. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, that was me. That's no, we but know that, that, we know that, you do a f- really good we yeah. do a really you do a really good job of like Thank following you. the team and keeping track of all those things. So, yeah. um so okay, so since that game, they've played sixteen games, and yep. uh, Nylander has seventeen points in fifteen games. How many of those are power play? Uh, seven. Okay. And Tavares has sixteen points in fifteen games, and he and eight of those are on the power play. So like their mm-hmm. their production's pretty good. Um, now they've played some of those that those games together a little bit, bits and bites here and there. And maybe that's and, and honestly, maybe that's what you do, and maybe you keep Nealander down. I'm just, I just don't know who that guy to play is. Like the thing is, when you're playing on with Matthews and Marner, you're you're facing every 
like you look ahead to the playoffs, like they're going to be facing McDonough and Chernak, and they're probably going to be facing. I would think they're going to face a lot of point, and if they're not facing point, they're facing Sorelli. Like this is like really tough competition, so like, you need a player there. Like you even saw uh, in the, in the Washington game, they started Nick Abruzzese with Matthews and Marner, and they were like getting killed. Like and they had to take him off. Like he and understandable. Like he's a rookie. Like he's never he's barely played. He's he hasn't played anywhere like besides college. Um, so it's it's, it's sure, not an sure easy given spot. Him some, to fill. They've sure given him some plum opportunities here. Like yes. I wonder, you know, and I know I know he's been given some chances and everything, but Robertson has been lighting up the AHL lately, and I wonder if they would have been better served by giving Robertson more of a a look on a, on a scoring line as opposed Great to Great question. Easy. Great question. Because doesn't Robertson have like almost a goal a game in the HL the last like 15 games? Yeah. Is there anything cap? I, can they, can they, I guess with Mrazic on LTI, they could have, right? They have Kasha and Mrazic on LTI. I think they have lots of room. I don't know about number of recalls. I don't think they've used all their recalls. They, sh- they should be able to use them. I wonder if he, he might play in these last two games here. Yeah. I and mean, that's a good point. That would make some sense. I guess the only thing is that Robertson just really hasn't shown any offense in or a in whole lot of offense yeah. in the NHL this year. Yeah. Which is well, a shame because I mean they could really Yeah, he's got he's got the one goal and no assists in nine games in the NHL, but he's up over a point a game now with the Marlies. Well which, it's it's just at a reminder 20 years to old being over a point a game in the AHL is that's a very good sign, mm-hmm. by the way. There are very few players who produce a point a game at twenty years old and don't make an impact in the NHL. Yes. Well, and it's not like he has tons of AHL experience. Like his last couple of years, obviously, have been like destroyed by injuries and everything else. Um, but the other thing, like they missed with Bunting James, is just like his. And I thought it was going to be really uh, highlighted in the playoffs. It's just the way he plays. Like he plays with an attitude. He's he's he kind of brings you into the fight. Like he's he's so competitive. He, he annoys the other team. Like the they're really going to miss that. Yeah, he is. But he doesn't like he does draw he does take a lot of penalties but he obviously draws a lot he draws a lot more um so you lose that potentially we'll see how long he's out um i mean maybe he won't be out for the playoffs it just it just didn't sound great he's not the biggest guy in the world and like sometimes you wonder with those guys that play that style they're just gonna get the shit beaten out of them and they're gonna get hurt and not that that's necessarily what happened here but anyway it's it's too bad he's having such a monster season like I'm sure yeah. it's just, if he can't play in the first round, it'll just crush him. But my prediction is that he does play, but he's going to be playing through something. Okay. Well, you're and you're right. Like he, this is 63 points. I think that's like the third most ever by a Leafs rookie. Like it's more than Marner. It's more than, more than Neander. Could you put, not to interrupt you, but could you yeah. put, Eng, could you put Engvall on that line and try that? Sure. Yeah. I'm just I mean, looking at who, who's, so who's let played me look well at, since let April. Let me like and, play with that. So you would have Tavares. It's just like then who are you playing Neilander with? Like Camp and like and Blackwell uh, Kerfoot maybe. But then who do you play with Tavares? Exactly, Mikheyev and Blackwell. I guess that's probably what you James, do. They're just running out of guys. Like that's that's the reality. Like you don't have Bunting. You don't have Kasha. Those are two like top nine forwards that you just don't have potentially. Let's take a break and let's talk Muzzin. I want to talk Matthews and Kasha and then we'll get into the bod bag. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. I think one of the, to me, one of the more interesting questions about the Leafs right now that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about, it seems I spend a lot of time thinking about a lot of these things, um, is Jake Muzzin. 
you keep like game after game after game after game. It's like they, they say he's close and then he doesn't play. He's close and then he doesn't play. And now you start to like, I've started to think about it and I'm starting to think like, is he actually going to play in the playoffs? And I don't know because like he's missed now 27 of 31 games. I've seen some fans, Jonah, say like they should have just put him on LTIR and like use that money at the dead- deadline. And I mean, it it's, it's hindsight, he- but yeah, I, I think the, the questions are two part. Like, should he play number one? And do you think he'll play? Maybe those aren't the two best questions, but like, what do you think of his situation? Because like he's missed so much time and bringing him back in the lineup, like it, it causes all these other issues for them in terms of like who to play with who. And it moves people to different sides. and Yeah, and like it really like has that. an effect. And like he hasn't played. And when he's played, obviously he hasn't played great. They're going to have to see him in these last two games, don't you think? But for him to start in game one. The only thing is, is at least he's experienced and he's the kind of player that you would want to have in the playoffs, even if he's only playing like 13 or 14 minutes, which is what I would play him if you're going to put him in the lineup. But the other thing is you got Sandine that's they're saying is going to be back real soon too, right? So there's another... You know, if you've got Sandine saying he's 100% or you got Muzzin who's coming back off his like third injury of the season and saying he's 100%, that might be a tough call. Yeah, I just don't know. So let's say you do what you're saying. You play him third pair minutes. He kills penalties. Who who does he play with? Because like there are implications to that. Like, so let's say your third pair is Muzzin and Hall. What's the, what's the top four? Like there's Riley. There's Riley Brody. Brody, it's got to be. And then, then Giordano Lilligren. Like, are you yeah. comfortable playing those guys? I guess maybe you're comfortable playing those guys 20 minutes a night. I mean, they've been playing 20 minutes a night the last little bit. Yeah, Lilligren's ice time has been trending up big time. You know, like the, the when we've talked about Lilligren a lot of the season, the caveat's been he's only playing 15 minutes, he's only playing 16 minutes, but lately he's been playing more than that. And I wouldn't say it's been perfect, but. It, He's he's clearly made a lot of progress this season to where yes. he's getting closer to where those are the kind of minutes he should be playing in the NHL. I just don't know if I love those two playing against Kucherov would be my... Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if I love Labushkin playing against Kucherov either. No, I mean, and, like, and that's the other point, James. Like, I don't know that Labushkin should be playing with Riley when the playoffs start. I don't... He's, he's been lo- struggling. He's been he's, struggling, for sure. He's... I the one thing we didn't talk about off the top that I meant to talk about is their schedule has been like yeah, the, the team brutal. is just on running on fumes like the Washington game they they talked about it after the game Keith talked about it like there's just, there's not not nothing left in the tank after I think it's six games in 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 nine days yeah and it was that's like nine and really or fifteen it was nuts it's really tough the only thing that's good is that they only have two games in the final week of the season uh, if they play Tampa. Uh, what I heard is that the uh, first round would start on the Monday. So, you know, they've only got to play two games in seven days going into the playoffs, which which gives them opportunity to not only to rest, but also to get some practice time in. Yeah, but so like to bring it back to Muzzin, like that's that's sort of part of the issue here is like, so they're not practicing today. We're recording on Monday. Then they play Tuesday. Is he, is he going to just play? I, I, I guess like he's been around for a while. Um, but let's, but our two, let's say he plays both games, which do you think, do you think Sandine might be ready to play against Detroit? Yeah. Uh, well again, that, that's, an, that's another issue. He hasn't practiced. So like, I don't think they're going to just play him with no practice. I would think maybe Friday he plays. What about point a game man, Carl Dahlstrom? He's not in the mix. Um, but so James, let's say he, let's say Muzzin plays both games or plays one of the games is that enough like to, to play him? Like I I guess like when you bring up Labushkin, like maybe that's that's you just take out Labushkin and put Muzzin in and you rearrange your pairs. Like I don't know. Like the way I, I, I think I would do it is I would put Riley and Brody back together. I would play Giordano with Lilligren and I'd play Muzzin with Hall. Those would be my pairs. Mm-hmm. And I would sit. Oh, well, Sandine and Hall looked pretty good when they were together earlier in the year. But again, like you're confronting the same, not the yep. exact same thing because he's younger, but like a guy who hasn't played yep. for a month and a half. And but I, a guy who, when he did play, played well, as opposed to Muzzin, who, when he did play, didn't play well. That's the yes. difference. But the thing is, like, I, I just, I don't, I can't see them sitting Muzzin if he's available. And yet, like, maybe they have to. Like, maybe. 
Well, he's going to be on a super, super short leash if if he does. Um, yeah, you're right. So maybe he plays like maybe he plays, maybe game he plays one 14 if he minutes in game one. If he's bad, then he does. He's not in the lineup. Yeah. So what would your ideal top six look like right now for game one? Uh, Hedman would be on their team. Yes. <laughs> and is, is Muzzin in your if like if you took any everything out of the equation, would Muzzin be in your top six? Boy, I don't know. I think it makes sense that we need to see him back in the lineup and see what he looks like. Because he's played four games since coming back the last time, and it was a real it was a real mixed bag those four games. Yeah, you know what's interesting? Like I, I obviously sorted through a bunch of the numbers. Like the Muzzin Brody numbers are pretty are pretty good. Like it's a really tiny sample size. The the Brody Hall minute numbers are excellent. So like I kind of think of Muzzin is not there. We know what the the lineup is probably going to look like: Riley Labushkin, Brody Hall, Giordano Lilligren. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I just think it's a it's an uncomfortable situation because of who he is and like what he means to the team and his skill set. But like it's such a hard thing when you miss this much time and you're this age and you've had this many injuries. I think he understands. I think he understands. But, but you're right. I mean, he's a guy that is looked at it up to as like a huge leader. And you know, Marner was saying at one point this season that you know it's one of his best friends on the team. And the 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 young players love Jake Muzzin. And he's got that Stanley Cup experience, and and I think that he's been a big difference in the, in the playoff series. Is that when he got hurt, all of a sudden the team looked a lot more in disarray. Like he was one of the people. Was it Game Five or Game Six? Like leading the charge for the Leafs to get back into the series last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did he score? Did he score a couple goals? Is that? I think I believe I you remember. Are, you are correct. He did. But that's James. That's one way they're different this year. Is they have Mark Giordano, which. Last year, when Muzzin was hurt, like they had to play Dermot higher in the lineup. The Giordano addition, given what's happened with Muzzin, looks been even better yeah. than I thought it would. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let's talk briefly about Matthews um, coming back. I, I just think it's a big deal that he was a able to come back when he did because, like, you were getting into a situation where it's like, is he going to be? is he going to be ready for the start of the playoffs? Like, is he going to come back in the final game? And what if he doesn't look great? And like, so I, I think the way that that's turned around is, is obviously huge for them because of obvious reasons. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I, I take the team at their word that it was, it was not that significant. I think that if the games had really meant a whole lot, you know, like if they were trying to make the playoffs or whatever, that he would have played those games. So I don't know. I can't, I, I, when they're as vague as they are, it's hard to, and in, in the time of the year, if it was James, if he was missing like a week's worth of games, something was bugging him. And that's, that's when it's the most important player on the team. I, like, I just can't, they can downplay it all they want. It's, I think I said this last week, but I think, I think that Matthews looked like fatigued or slower than, yeah. So whatever it was, was, it was, it was, I think it was a, something more along those lines, like a, a wear and tear kind of thing. Well, I guess if you're them, you're hoping like he's just going to heat up once the playoffs start because he's gone five straight games without a goal. It feels like a lifetime for him, which isn't obviously long for most players. Um, so Kasha gets the Masterton nomination in Toronto. I did not vote for Kasha. Like, I voted for Bunting just because of his path and his season. I think that those are both good choices. I think both though. are fine. Kasha, like... You wrote a great story about his comeback from the concussions, and obviously he's been out with a concussion. He's he's a fine choice. It, it just sucks for them and sucks for him that he's not available because they could really use him right now, and I don't know what's going to happen. So the way that it works is that the professional hockey writers' chapters in each city, there's a chapter in every city, pick a nominee for each team. So there's 32 nominees, one one from each club. And our group of writers, like how many writers are in the Toronto chapter? Like 14 or something like that? I don't know. 16, something like that. We all vote and then th- that becomes our nominee. I did vote for Kasha. Um, just just working on that that story about him and, and getting to talk to him. And so one of the things I, and I know I, I keep saying this on the podcast, but I really miss going into the dressing room and just like spending some time with the players and getting to know them. But you know, everyone I talked to just said he's just an amazing person, very inspiring. And there's so many people around the league that are just rooting for him to 
to be okay and to be able to play and to reach his potential as a player that, you know, hopefully that, that his story has a happy ending. I don't really see like a clear who's supposed to win this year. Like, I don't really see like, well, that's okay. So that's what I was going to say is if you look at the list of 32, I think Kasha potentially is a nominee. Like, I think he could get quite a few votes. The thing is like his case gets hurt a little bit by the fact that he's now been out for a bit. Like you don't want to, but like, you don't want to punish him. Like it's not his fault. Like it, I don't know. Like he, he that could have award given is about up, like that. That award is about adversity, and he's facing adversity now. So I don't think that he can't get the award because he's hurt again. Like he's, I mean, if anything, it like puts another explanation point on just like how much he's had to push through. Yeah, fair. I, I look at the list though, and like I, I don't know. Like there's no, there's no one that's I, I and I don't forgive me if like I, I've. I, I, I scanned it, so I might be missing someone. So hopefully people don't send me hate mail that I'm forgetting so-and-so. Um, but I think that he's potentially a top three case. Yeah, I mean, like, Price? But, like, Price isn't even played. Eichel, maybe? Given, like, the back situation and everything that happened in Buffalo? I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break and slide in a few questions if we can. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, James, it is pod bag time. A reminder to support your local restaurants, support your local businesses. We need them. Uh, James, did you get any questions to your late question? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I, you've been waiting so long for to go to the questions. Concerned that, you know how many questions there are in, in the half an hour that we've been recording? You know how many have shown up? No. Ten. Nice. Ten. ten that's pretty good. That's a lot of people checking their app, looking to read the Monday morning leaf report. Jonas' story, the Jake Muzzin conundrum. I bet you it's a spicy column. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to start saying it now and use it against you. Oh, no. (laughs) We get some weird questions sometimes. Sure. Uh, Jason wants to know, this is is a weird time to ask this question, but he wants to know, would... Austin Matthews be a better captain than John Tavares. I don't know if you want to address that one. Mm, no. I mean, I don't, I think, don't think that stuff matters that much. But I like I, I think I it's think pretty the, I think the leader of the team is is Matthews. I think yeah. like Tavares is a fine leader, but I like he's like their best player and clearly. Well, there'll be a transition them. at some point, right? With like, you know, if Matthews gets signs an extension and you know, yeah. there'll be like a changing of the guard where he would become the captain. Yeah. Uh, NN wants to know, have the Leafs lost faith in Nick Robertson? Given the injuries to Bunching and Kasha, why not give Robertson another go as opposed to Clifford, Simmons, Abruzizi? I mean, I think with Bunting hurt, I think that that's potentially what we could see. What do you think? Do you think they're going to put Robertson in the lineup? I think it's a really good question. I think it's, I don't know that you, you would say that they've lost faith. Maybe it's just a recognition that it was, he's just not ready for it yet. I mean, you watched all those games. Did it? Did he look like for sure like he's ready to play in the NHL every night? I I don't no, think I so. Didn't think, I didn't think that he gave them a lot, but I think that there's a lot of caveats involved with that just because of all the time he's missed and his age and. I think everything. that the two big like, things. I don't hold that, that against James, him. No, for sure. But like he, the two big obstacles he's going to face is like size and speed. To me, those are like the two big things with him. Like he tries as hard as you would want anyone to try. He's just not that big and he's not that fast. And like, those are hard things to, he's gotten faster. Like he's getting better. Like he's, like you said, he's, he's not even 21. I've been watching some of 
him in the AHL and just some of the moves that he's pulling off now and the way he's eluding defenders and like he's he's adding a shiftiness like he, it's not just about the shot you know it's about being able to create space for himself to get those shots and you know I, I think that like I said the fact that he's producing the way he is right now at, at the age he is in the AHL which is a very good league it, it all bodes really well for him the question is 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 that is his time now or not yeah I don't know. Well, I mean, like you said, they're just running out of options. Maybe you just got to try. Like he's, I, I think he's more ready to contribute than Nick Abruzzi. Like I don't have any question of that. He's also, he's also. What's funny is like he's, he's like two years, almost three years younger, two and a half years younger, something like that, than Abruzzi. Yeah, which is a lot in development time. A lot yeah. of the questions well, are, you know, Mike B says again, how many times do we need to see Simmons and Clifford get caved in and produce nothing before we make a change? They don't there's have one, anybody else. Well, he says if there's one more injury, we're one more injury away from one of those guys playing in the top nine because we haven't given a chance to, you know, a Joey Anderson or some of the other guys with the Marlies. Yeah, I, I, I get that. He's he's another, like, I don't know that he can play in the NHL regularly. Maybe like he's still young. I don't but like you don't, they you don't, can't play Simmons or Clifford in the top nine, right? Like that's a good no, point by, by but Mike. The, but who are you going to play in the top? Like, I don't, I don't think it's Joey Anderson. I don't think it, are you going to play Nick Robertson in the top nine in a playoff series against Tampa? Like, I guess maybe you might just have to, I, but I don't think that's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's not great answers right now. They're, they're, they're getting thin. And James, like, I, I didn't know there was nowhere to really fit this in, but this is like one it's a ramification of the cap not going up and the way that they're structured. Like they just, their depth and some of the choices that they made, like giving Simmons that two year deal, 900 K like everything on well, the margins kind of gets amplified R- when Richie you have not injuries. working out and Kasha yes. being hurt or, you know, they, they needed one of those guys to be in the lineup right now. And then bunting being hurt as well. I mean, that's like you wipe out all of the options they tried to bring in other than Kampf. Yeah. Who's not a, who's not an offensive piece. Yeah, but you just don't have a lot of margin for injuries or anything like that. Like you just get thin really quick. And like when you commit to like older players like they did, suddenly like those are the guys standing. I like I I think if I was guessing for game one, their fourth line is going to be Clifford, Spetsa, Simmons. Like unless Kasha magically reappears, which doesn't. And that's going to be the same thing as last year, where the fourth line you're you're not really going to get a whole lot out of. It's a shame because I think Spetsa, like you look at a game like Washington, if he was playing with better players, I think he would be able to produce more than he has been lately. Well, and James, the problem is like, they're going to be facing a fourth line. That's actually good. And that's, that can skate. And that's actually like that fourth line in Tampa has played together basically a whole year with Bellamar Perry. And who am I forgetting on? Is it Maroon? Maroon. Yeah, it's Maroon. Like that's a, that's a good line. Like Perry almost has 20 goals. Yeah. So they're going to have to be, they're going to like, they're not going to be able to play that line at all. All right, Jonas, we're the, the sun is getting low on us here. Okay. It's going to have to be a bit of a short podcast because we're going to be doing a live one later this week. We're going to be doing a playoff preview one later this week. We're going to, it's going to be a busy time. Uh, Pony Boy, who we have not heard from before. Hello, Pony Boy. Great movie Uh, reference. Did you like that movie, The Outsiders? I don't think I've seen that. You haven't seen The Outsiders? Wow. You, did you read the book? Was that not in Kamloops? I've I read I read The Outsider, like uh, the Camus, the famous book. I'm guessing you're talking about something different. Yeah, different book. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, Pony Boy is wondering uh, that scene in All or Nothing series last year when Micaiah was in Keefe's office was clearly frustrated that he was not being employed in more of an offensive role, considering he has 20 goals. Uh, was he right all along? I mean, I think that the thing you need to keep in mind is that the Mikheyev of this year is a different player than of last year, and he was really snake bitten. He had he had the really significant injury he was coming back from. Uh, he was right in that this was in him, and I, it was confusing last year that Mikheyev struggled so much because his rookie season it was like, wow, like look at this, like this guy's an offensive player, and it felt like he could he was going to be a top six forward in the league. Um, but you know, kudos to the Leafs for really kind of like massaging that situation and, and keeping him in the fold because they, they're going to badly need him to, to produce in, in the postseason now with the way their lineup is setting up. Yep. Well, and, and what's funny, James, is like his role really hasn't changed. His role is basically the same as last year. Like he's not, until recently, he had not played many top six minutes. He's not really playing that much more. He's playing 15 minutes instead of 14 minutes. He played 15 and a half as a rookie. Like he's, 
he, his shooting percentage is just spiked. And like he, one thing that they did really well with him, especially earlier in the year is they worked with him on his shot and like how to, to be more deceptive, how to finish around the net. And like, you see all those chances he was getting last year are now being converted and he's got 20 goals in 51 games. He's going to get paid, man, paid. Yeah. He's going to, some teams are going to give him a lot of money and he may even prove to be worth it. You know, you could probably play him on a top line on a team that's, that's low on talent. He plays so hard. That's one thing like is really appealing about him. Like he gives a shit. So speaking of production in April, Mikheyev has seven goals and 13 points in 16 games. He's only playing 16 minutes a night. Almost none of that production is on the power play. Only one power play point. Yeah. You know, in even strength points, there's only one, two, three, three Leafs forwards ahead of him. And it's all the guys on the top line. So, well, and James, I posted, um, like since he's come back, he has more goals than Neilander and he has more goals than Tavares. I think both those guys have 19, but like, if I had told you that, you'd be like, what? No. All right, Curtis, here's, this is a good one for us to end on. Okay. Uh, Curtis wants to know, do you think it's possible to beat Tampa without bunting, without Kasha and without a normal Jake Muzzin? Yes. Certainly going to be harder. I mean, they've, but they've played a lot of the season without Kasha and won a lot of games. So, and then Muzzin hasn't, when he's played well, hasn't been good. And I mean, though, it's like you said, adding Giordano, getting Sandine back, having Lilgren step up the way he has the, the hall playing better than he did earlier in the year. Like the, the blue line, I think is less of a concern than it would have been a couple months ago. Yeah. Obviously a big question will be Campbell and he's going to be facing that wasn't the, part the, of his question, though. I know, but like that's 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 a big thing. But yes, they can. Like they have maybe the two of the ten best players in the world right now, and maybe the best player in the world. That that's something good to have in a playoff series. All right, James. I think that's all the time we have. Yep. Thanks for all the questions on short notice, everybody. There's there's lots of good stuff there. And if you have more questions, stay tuned for uh, the, the live room is what we're calling them that we'll be doing at some point, probably one afternoon, Wednesday or Thursday this week. And thank you to everyone for listening all year long. Uh, if you haven't signed up for The Athletic and feel like giving it a shot, go to theathletic.com slash leave report. Obviously a great time now with playoffs about to it get is, started. It is cheap be- right now too. Like this is the ultimate deal that we're going to offer. So... Is it the deal of a lifetime? It is It is the deal of the century. <laughs> All right, James. Well, we'll talk later this week. We got a lot to talk about. It's, it's about to get spicy. Oh, my God. Spicy. Lord, help us all. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, James. Goodbye. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.